0: Hello, and welcome to the first World Sustainability Collective Purpose Planet podcast that features one of our founding members, James Perry. Welcome, James.
1: Hi, Bill. Pleasure to be here.
0: Pleasure to talk to you too. James, um, perhaps you could tell us a little bit uh, about why and when you founded your company and obviously what the name of your company is.
1: Uh, yeah, sure, Bill. Um, so I founded my company, Loco Soco, um, around 2014. And the reason was I had uh, just finished a, a career in financial markets, working in debt capital markets uh, during the financial crash. And I really wanted to create assets for people. And after doing a bit of soul searching and moving back to the village I grew up in, uh, my local shop went out of business and everyone in the community got together and bought it and then run it as a community-owned enterprise. And that was a bit of my, I guess, eureka moment, which was, well, what else can the community do if they come together? Uh, so originally, it was about economic sustainability as a community, uh, but around 2017, I really started to see uh, the impact the environment was having on the world. And I thought, well, how can you tie economic and environmental sustainability together? And uh, that's what I've been on a mission ever since to try and solve.
0: So your company, uh, James, uh, is all about delivering products and technologies uh, with a purpose, which you've just explained to us, uh, in a way that shares wealth, which is an interesting uh, aspect of your company, because certainly within the World Sustainability Collective, what we believe is that we need to shift the whole sort of emphasis uh, to building sort of businesses that have got uh, the ability to solve social and economic uh, uh, and environmental problems, rather economically, not not create problems. So, so you're actually doing that with what you do today. Is that correct?
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely, Bill. I mean, the, the model behind loco soco is essentially how do you create shared wealth from the transition to sustainable alternatives? And as I say, what can be done in one community can be done in another community. So there's essentially different business models that we can implement uh, community by community that will help us reach our sustainable goals. Um, so part of that is, you know, sourcing and delivering um, innovative products with purpose across food, drinks, snacks, cleaning, etc., I'm um, working with local shops, schools, places of worship and other community assets like sports clubs. Um, the other side of it is there's all of these incredible technological innovations coming to market. And they essentially need project partners and people locally to be able to drive them forward and implement them within their communities. And all of this is essentially you know, an economic moon that can be shared between the participants. Um, and that's what Loco Soco is really about providing a platform, a business model, and a way to create shared wealth from sustainability.
0: So just uh, so that uh, the listeners can understand in more detail as to how this works, um, you've got, if we focus on the, the, if you like, the communities and the products, um, you have a range of products that you advertise on your website, I believe. So um, those products are accessible to the communities so that they can sell them. I mean, how, does they, how do the communities create wealth and how do you create wealth for your company? How does the business model work in that way?
1: Yeah, perfect. So on the, um, on the product distribution side, there's really two um, sections of it. One is the direct sale into local retailers and other businesses who are simply buying wholesale and selling that onto their community and, and thus making their margin very much like a traditional wholesale model. Um, the second side is something that we've developed called My MyEcoSite. And we've been very fortunate to partner with a national logistics company who warehouse and distribute our products on our behalf. And so what we've created is essentially a e-commerce solution that can be copy and pasted for any community asset. So whether it's a school, a shop, a place of worship, sports club they can have their own e-commerce platform to sell wholesale or direct to consumer products we do all of the distribution and then we split the profits with them 50 50 um, and on that they can either choose to use it as money to run
0: there so i can i can understand that james um, in terms of Say local, local communities like um, maybe the uh, the sort of the the religious areas like the churches, but uh, how how does that work with a school? Uh, yeah, actually,
1: um, uh, schools are a really good example of this. And um, we recently got a a large grant out of the EU in partnership with Social Enterprise International and um, quite a few other organisations to create a a training methodology around this and teach schools how they can. Create shared wealth from um, implementing sustainable products into their community. And really, what it's about is it's essentially utilizing existing community organizations as a marketing channel to promote eco friendly, purpose driven alternatives into their communities. Whilst we run all of the e commerce and distribution behind it, and they benefit from 50% of the profit, uh, which, you know, on wholesale purchases, net, that's about 5% in every pound spent and 15 to 20% of every pound spent by consumers. Um, so it's really a way that they can not only learn more about sustainable alternatives, but how they can begin engaging their communities on you know, what we need to do to, to make these change. And fundamentally how, how easy it is. And um, you know, essentially um, pushing to the side a lot of the, um, you know people think it's a much more expensive to become more eco-friendly or use sustainable alternatives. But quite frankly, it's, it's not. And we'll see the prices coming down over, over time as more people essentially um, take
0: them up. So are you saying in effect, James, that um, let's, let's say my local primary school uh, engages with you and your company and they uh, take the products that you produce and your support services are they using that so that they can make additional cash for whatever it is they need within the education system? And we all know that um, schools have to supplement uh, you know, what the government provides for these days, but, um, or is it an educational tool um, that has a bit of e-commerce attached to it where uh, students are learning all about sustainability and how, and how they can live a more sustainable life? Yeah, I would say it's
1: more on the um, the fundraising side, to be honest. But built into that is the educational side of these new products and technologies, essentially. But, you know, essentially we go into a, a school, for example, or um, in Whitby up in Yorkshire, and we're giving them the platform and the tools, but then it's about engaging the students and helping them understand how they can create a business from this and how they can create... Um, income to put to good causes or to to run their business. Um, so it's a, yeah, it's a mix of both educational and raising money for their for their school and for local
0: projects. So just moving on a little bit to your, I mean, if you if you look at um, what range of products that you have at the moment, um, I mean, you've got obviously lots of uh, drinks. Uh, that are vegan based or allergen free you've got snacks and soft drinks and uh, <laughs> you've got wines and spirits as well so when when you have these on offer on your site how do you uh, ensure that people who are going to partner with you understand that your products are sustainable I mean how how do you if you like give them that confidence
1: yeah it's a, it's a very good uh, question you know and uh, I think you know we we look at sustainability as, uh, you know, making eco-friendly practices, um, even having a purpose behind them. You know, there's 17 sustainable development goals. Some of these products will contribute and they contribute to charities. Um, And some of them are just purely independent, but, you know, working towards best practice. I think, you know, it's important to know that, you know, at mass, nothing is sustainable. but, you know, there's, there's a lot to be said about um, supporting independent businesses and supporting businesses that are given back to, say, the Rainforest Alliance or they're given, um, they're given money into charities that are helping third world countries get access to water. Um, so it's a very broad spectrum approach in ways but we turn away a lot more products than we work with just because of, of the values and where their sort of roadmap towards sustainability is.
0: Okay. So in terms of um, the, the, the way in which you've built up this, uh, this business, James, Um, Do you see an opportunity to actually sort of start to get involved in other aspects of services? I mean, what I've got in my mind and may not be in your mind, of course, but um, would be in selling all these products. They're all packaged products. Um, Are you associated in any way in in this in terms of the, the recycling and treatment of the packaging that goes with the products that you offer?
1: Yeah, I think there's there's two sides to this. Um, One is that, um, you know, we sort of see that there's a massive opportunity in open sustainability. So essentially, you know, two two companies working to solve their packaging issue to use uh, biodegradable packaging that still keeps a long enough shelf life to make it um, available for retail. You know, so one's already solved the issue. The other one is working on it. It seems that you know, those two companies should t- should talk so that they're not doing exactly the same the same work. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other side of this is um, we've, we've partnered with a number of technology providers who are have well, have spent years uh, perfecting waste conversion technology, and we're seeing a big uh, push um, with our partners um, towards being able to implement um, plastic recycling. Um, Converting it into things such as fuel um, carbon ash and essentially redirecting it back into the supply chain so that it doesn't need to be dug out of the ground or remaking it back into plastic Um, interestingly uh, tyre conversion we see as a big opportunity because uh, 65% of the average car tyre is actually kerosene so it can actually be created back into jet fuel as -hmm. an example and although these are fundamentally things that are polluting it's it's a lower cost on the environment to convert something that's already available than it is to take it back out take it out of the ground
0: i think that that i mean you mentioned tires and, and they've been the bane of people's lives i mean if you've got a sort of um an old tire getting uh, getting it dealt with if you like or recycled is extremely difficult um, most recycling sites don't want to touch them. So, uh, and, and the last thing you want to do is to have a, a tire bonfire. But, um, so the fact that you can, uh, you've got the ability to sort of uh, help people recycle tires seems to me to be a pretty impressive uh, opportunity.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, there's about half a million tons of, uh, of, of um, passenger tires a year in the UK. And you know, there's there's machines out there. You know, there's even UK developed technology where they convert around thirty tons a day, um, and you get around sixty five percent kerosene and twenty five percent carbon ash mm-hmm. out of that carbon black. Uh, you know, which is a really high value products. Um, and one of the actual incredible things about these these processes are they actually get the energy for the process from the process i.e. getting a certain amount of what they call syngas, and that can be put into a, a generator to create electric to fuel the process.
0: Yeah, and that also ensures that you're not giving it, uh, out emissions as well. Um, it's interesting, you, you say that, that part of the product is carbon black because, of course, the carbon black then goes back into tyres. Um, so that, that's a very neat sort of... Uh, uh, sort of circular a- economy that you're you're creating there with that technology.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it is really, it is really astonishing, and you know, it just you know, it's it's one of those things we, we're driven by creating you know an environment where it makes it economically imperative to become sustainable. You know, so you know, and you know, I, I guess a lot of the uh, not the troubles, but you know, the hard, the hardest pitch is always to the cfo of a company right the the bursa of the school is you know is this going to make financial sense for us and that's what we we try to do as much as possible to say well that you know the financial reasoning for doing this is is clear you know and it just so happens to be a, a massive environmental and social benefit for doing so
0: you you were talking about partners earlier there james and on your website uh, you have got the most amazing uh, sort of list uh, of partners um, that sort of scan across as, uh, as somebody who's watching your website will, will see. Um, what, what is the role of partners in your business?
1: Yeah, it's what, what partners to us are, you know, we don't want to be a, um, a company that has thousands and thousands of employees. And I always say, you know, the relationship with partners is it's a lot easier to, for them to sell into their networks than it is for us to go and sell into their networks. Um, and likewise, you know, like, a, you know, one of my, uh, my, my favorite to work with uh, partners is the great outdoor gym company, uh, who are you know, sustainability through and through. They make outdoor gyms, they sell them to pretty much every council in the UK and they use all recycled parts. Um, some of their some of their gym equipment even feeds energy back into the grid. But you know, Jim, Georgie Delaney, um, who just got her MBE for uh, for her incredible work. You know, she's sold into every council in the UK. So you know, a um, an email from her during the pandemic got us selling into nineteen councils. Um, you know, which is phenomenal. You know, and yeah. this is really the power of partnerships. You know, if you've got. You know access to um, you know great products, great technologies. You've vetted them. You know they have a clear purpose. Then working with partners is really the only way that you can scale this quickly, and you know efficiently in a way that we can actually tackle the problems that our world is facing.
0: Yeah, and and certainly, I mean, I've seen uh, outdoor gyms where people uh, can uh, exercise. I mean, they're they're obviously the the, the the best thing about them of course is they're free um, and uh, and as you say using recycled materials, I've noticed myself that uh, a lot of um, parks and places like that are now the park benches are recycled plastic and they look pretty impressive because of course you when you mold it you can mold it with the wood grain uh, already showing so, so yeah, I can I can see that um, that particular partner was very helpful to you uh, in introducing you to local councils. Are there any other examples that you have of where you've uh, been able to use a partner to be able to extend your business?
1: Um, yeah, I think um, you know we've um, like we partnered recently with uh, a company called uh, Resource Holding Group, who are a global recruitment company, and they sell into tier one. Um, um, clients, corporates, they sell them to a lot of governments and corporates as well. And for us, we became their sustainability partner so that they could, you know, not only essentially pitch work into, um, you know, into human resources into these, um, into their existing partners and customer bases, but so they could actually start pitching projects, you know, that will give them work as, as well. Um, so there's a lot of like so I think you know I think this is the thing about sustainability and being in this industry is it's a lot less uh, guarded in terms of people uh, people you know don't want to close the door on this they want to embrace it they want to share their connections they want to you know they they, they want to see change and they realise that you know it's quicker to change together and you know I think you know for, for us that's probably the the sort of the uh, the biggest part that we're trying to focus on is developing our partnerships because there's, there's so many where they have, they have to work together as well, you know, from, you know, if you're securing sites and, you know, you're securing, um, you're trying to implement big assets like these waste conversion technologies, you know, that's not something that, you know, we can do with our balance sheet, we need to, we need to work together and there needs to be different partners who have different interests in it, whether it's providing the finance, whether it's in providing the the feedstock for these plants, whether it's providing the operational expertise, Um, and that's what we are at Loco is essentially a platform for bringing together partners so that we can
0: implement these projects. So... Let's just talk a little bit about technologies and the role that technologies have in your company, James, because um, again, uh, looking at your website, you've got uh, a number of technologies that you have uh, put on your website, uh, one of which is automated retail. Uh, You've talked a little bit about waste conversion, um, and you've got uh, atmospheric water generation and eco printers. So what, what exactly is the role of technologies like that within your company business model?
1: Yes, yeah, so I think um, each one has a, essentially has a revenue model behind that. Um, you know, let's like just start starting with the atmospheric water generation, for example. You know, that's, those machines, they operate out of 20 foot shipping containers and they can pull around six or seven tons of clean drinking water out of the air per day. You know, which for remote locations, you know, especially um, south of the hemisphere where it's a lot more humid and also dry on the ground. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a lifeline to communities. Um, and you can end up getting uh, clean water for about a penny to two pennies per litre in the most remotest of places. Um, you know, so, so that's a, a business unto itself where with the right financial backing and the right uh, community support you know, you can, you can give access to water, you know, which is a, which is a fu- fundamental um, need for life. And, you know, both for drinking and farming um, on the automated vending machine side of things, you know, when my, when my village went out of business, uh, when my village shop went out of business, effectively that village became a hamlet, mm-hmm. you know, which, you know, would no doubt have a massive effect on house prices. You know, people would have to, you know, have to travel miles and miles and miles to to get to get food or you know just their uh, you know just their necessary um the you know their necessary uh food like shopping so we see those as a massive opportunity whereby well you can put them in remote remote locations they can um operate with a, a local another local shop so, you know, you're providing access to amenities um, and, you know, we see it as a good, good place to, to push more sustainable products through. Um, on terms of eco printers, um, you know, a, a lot of printers, the laser jet printers, they take an enormous amount of energy. Uh, they also have a lot of plastic waste. We've been using our uh, eco printer for the last eight, 18 months and uh, we haven't run out of ink once on that. Um, and it uses around ninety five percent less energy than the traditional laser printer. So these are all things that you know not only do they they save they save money, but you know they help the environment. Uh, I, I, I'll just caveat that with I don't advocate printing, but you know in a business do you, you have to print things from time to time?
0: Yeah, I'm not. It's all right. You're not persuading me. I'm not in the market for a printer at the moment, but uh, but yeah, I'd be interested when I do. And what about waste conversion? How you know, what's your involvement in the waste conversion technology, James?
1: Yeah, so we've got a few different partners that, are, um, that have been developing waste conversion for uh, some quite quite some years. We've got some UK partners, we've got some German partners, um, we've got um, some partners out in China that have been really perfecting this technology. Uh, waste conversion, we see it as a way to literally transform waste into gold um, mm. and create a really, really great local business model. Um, plastic, for example, non-recyclable plastic in the UK is a massive burden. There's around 5 million tonnes a year uh, created. You know, and that's a multi-billion pound market if you can actually get all of that waste and convert it back into fuel or back into a base for new plastics. Yep. And they're very modular. So it's a very good way to create local jobs as well when they require very little planning okay. permission light like industrial usage, Uh, The process where they're they're closed loop systems, they operate in zero oxygen environments, they heat up to around about 500 degrees centigrade and they literally will take plastic that was heading for landfill and they can turn it either back into a fuel source or it can be uh, used to put back into virgin plastic.
0: And does does your involvement in the waste conversion technology do you, do you link that back to the local councils that you're working with for other reasons in order that you can give them that service or at least set up the system that gives them the service for waste conversion is that is that part of your model
1: uh, yeah absolutely I think um, the best way to look at it is you know there's there's quick wins and there's uh, long tail uh, projects of that. You know you need, you need to start now because they won't come to fruition for a year, two years, three years. Um, so for us, you know being a being a magnet for lots of sustainable products and technologies, you know we very much dig deep into the business model behind all of these. and fundamentally our business is set up to on one side earn revenue and equity from the distribution and implementation of sustainable alternatives. And mm-hmm. on the other side of our company, We distribute it to those that make it happen. Um, And that's where, you know, partnerships are key for this. You know, we're all about creating shared wealth from this transition to sustainable alternatives. And it's a case that people need to be motivated to, you know, give their time, their energy, their contact base to your projects. So we see shared wealth as a really fundamental driver for speeding up this transition to sustainability.
0: So, James, finally, um, where where do you see uh, LocoSo going in the the next sort of five or ten years? I mean, what's your vision of of the direction? What do you want to see the company develop into?
1: For for me, I think um, success to me, I guess, is that we're operating in 10,000 communities globally. We are distributing um, many, many, many products um and creating a lot of money being put back into the communities i think with the the product and technology set that we've got at the moment it's got an enormous um, ability for us to really create both shareholder value and community value and we just want to perfect perfect this model and how we engage communities and, and get them started you know because it's easy to talk to people about a product it's harder to talk to them about a technology, and it's probably even harder to talk to them about an ideology. And what loco soco is essentially um, set up to be is a, is a movement, a movement whereby we create an economic and environmental sustainability hand in hand.
0: And it's interesting you use that word movement because, of course, World Sustainability Collective is equally trying to establish a movement of companies like yourself who have a positive sustainability model, and bring them together so they have a voice, so that they can uh, sort of educate and change attitudes of people, so that uh, more people get involved in uh, starting up business ideas that are positively sustainable. So um, it's it's a nice partnership that uh, that I see we've got with you, uh, James. Um, just. Much uh, just a quick, just a quick question. Uh, as we uh, as we sort of uh, finish, is um, do you miss finance?
1: Not at all. <laughs> not, not at all. But uh, you know, I I, I I'd, I'd say this. I was I was very fortunate to start very young in finance and um, in key areas of finance, where it was understanding the, the risk systems and company structures, and it very much gave me a foundation for being able to understand how money works, how businesses work, and essentially you know, how we can build a model for the future.
0: Well, thank you, James, for sharing your th- company with us today. Um, it is a truly sustainable business, as we've heard, and I'm sure your financial uh, background has helped you to, to make it the success that it, it obviously is. We'll be bringing you more podcasts Featuring our members in the coming months. And next month, we have Danielle Hayward talking to us. So, thank you all for joining us today. Uh, we appreciate your company. We hope you've enjoyed the conversation with James. Uh, please visit our website, uh, https://worldsustainabilitycollective.com to follow our activities and learn more about our Purpose Planet podcast series. Please tune in again next month. Goodbye and thank you.